Greetings ladies and managers, and welcome to this latest video for Retreat Hell, taken from the subreddit HFY. The link to the original is down below, and if you enjoy the story, head over there and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, there are many ways to do so, also, strangely enough, listed down below. Don't forget to subscribe, or we'll have a platoon of angry cat-like creatures attacking you in your sleep. Anyways, on to the sci-fi. Chapter 19 Charlie's Theron, George Clooney, and Uma Thurman. Oh, brah, Stephen scratched his chin. Feck, Charlie's Theron, marry George Clooney, and murder Uma Thurman. Kimber chuckled. Okay, marriage George Clooney, huh? Hey, brah, I would turn gay for George Clooney. What about you, Sinteddy? Kimber asked, knocking on his shoulder. Well, I ain't turning gay for fecking nobody, so fecking murder George Clooney, straight up. Then I'd say marry Charlie's and uh, feck Uber. Nah, brah, Stevens cried. You can't kill my George. Edison laughed. I think I'm going with Sinteddy on this one. Marry Charlize, feck Irma, and kill Clooney. I'd marry George Clooney, Samson said. Oh, big ficking surprise there, Samson. Elder rolled his eyes. You're fecking gay. He leaned forward. No. The big question for you is, which one would you feck? Samson leaned back in silence for a long moment, drawing out the suspense as other marines leaned in. Uma Therma. But only if she put the Pulp Fiction outfit on. All right. All right. I'll give you that one, Kimber said. With, with a strap on. God damn it! What about you, Shields? Alda said, giving him a tap on the shoulder. Who would you marry, feck, and kill? Rin's ears twitched, and he shook his head. Same as the last five times you asked me. I still don't know who you or any of these people are. His ears swept back, and I'm, uh, Uma is not, not a polite term in my language. All right, yeah, we gotta get pictures for Run to play with us. Anyone got pictures on their phone? Before the search could get started, however, Kowalski ducked around the front of the Humvee that they were lounging in. Hey, guys, uh, Staff Sergeant's running this way. Everyone look busy so we don't get crapped on. Ah, feck. Oh, praise the gods, Run thought. I really didn't want to play that game. Who cares if we look busy, Kimber asked. We ain't doing crap right now. Uh-huh, Kowalski said, snapping his fingers. Up, 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 up. Let's go. Samson, you get stacked crates straightened up. Or, you know what, just shipped over there next to the Humvee. Gomez, give him a hand. We'll probably have to load it at some point anyway. Elder, Edison, start packing up those bags over there. Sintelli, you and Kimber start getting a count on the ammo we got. Mana crystals too. Miller, take Stevens and New Riley and see if you can scrounge out some more batteries. Good work, Corporal, Rickles said, walking around the Humvee. I assume you've heard the latest report. Rin saw Grimmins flash across Kowalski's face before he buried it and turned around. Uh, no, Staff Sergeant. What's the latest? Oh, Rickles gave Kowalski a renewed look of appreciation. Well, we just got intel report of possible enemy forces sighted to the east. They're not in our immediate AO, but if the Earls are getting ready for another counterpush, General Zorro wants the next staging point set up and dug in before they do. 3rd Battalion ahead of schedule and already starting setting up FOB Ripley and the new air combat hub. They've got a flat field long enough for landing and fecking space shuttle. And the combat engineers are already en route. Ross wants us set up and dug in to the screen their eastern flank ASAP. We're moving out of this afternoon. Where's Sergeant Bradford? Um, I think she went off looking for you, Staff Sergeant, Kowalski said, 
clasping his hands behind his back where his signal couldn't be seen by Rickles. It would be simpler if he had a tail, Brent thought. Ah, she, she's taking a shit, Gomez said, earning himself a glare from Kowalski. And more reliable. But, uh, she said she was going to look for you after that, Staff Sergeant. All right. Well, if you see her before I do, tell her squad leaders and up. I'm mustering HQ tent in 20 for a briefing. Hi, Staff Sergeant. Carry on, Corporal, and keep up the good work. Rickles gave him a fatherly smile. You're doing a damn fine job. Aye, Staff Sergeant. Kowalski watched him go. Once Rickles was out of earshot, he turned around and kicked the stack of sandbags. Fuck! What? Kimber asked. We're getting bored sitting on our asses anyway. Not that dipshit. Now fecking Staff Sergeant's gonna think I'm fecking reliable again. Fuck! Ain't that a good thing? Gomez asked. Ah, fuck no, Kowalski said, shoving a wave in his direction. It means more fecking work. That's what it fecking means. Now go fecking run off to the shit pit and tell Bradford about the brief. And that she's supposed to be looking for Staff Sergeant. God damn it! Ammo, Bradford asked, looking over the assembled members of Second Squad. Mags and bondoliers all topped off, and everyone's got at least one extra satchel, Kowalski grinned. And Gomez got two extra cans for Lucy. Batteries acquired a fresh box from supply, Dubois said. Split it between both Humvees. Water, canteens and camelbacks all full. With extra jugs all loaded, Kowalski paused to spit in a bottle. Snag some extra boxes of MREs and cliff bars and squirrel them away too. Gear, inventoried and pack, Dubois gave her a short tilt of his head. We're all ready to go, Jabs. Well, damn, Kowalski. I thought Staff Sergeant was pulling my leg. You really are stepping up. Oh, feck no, not you too, Kowalski said, throwing his hands in the air. You ain't putting anything on them shit on me. I was mostly him, he waved a finger at Dubois. I just made sure that we looked good when Staff Sergeant was around. Well, good job, all the same, Bradford said, giving him a wink. We might just make a real Marine out of you yet. Go fuck yourself, Jabs. She laughed, shaking her head, then glanced around with a reluctant sigh. Where's Davies? I saw him heading for the head a few minutes ago, probably taking a crap before we hit the road, Dubois said. Bradford nodded, resisting the urge to chew on the side of her lip. Well, that's reasonable, I suppose. Or he's supervising while Riley finishes up packing his gear, instead of doing it himself, Kowalski added. That's, uh, not so reasonable. She frowned. Davies is not a fire team leader. I'd pick to mentor a boot PFC normally. Never mind the middle of a war. I'll have a talk with both of them, separately. Putting the matter aside for the time being, she looked at her watch. All right, let's get started up and loaded up. Not so fast, Sergeant, Samson said, jogging up. Chatter on the radio. Those Keeblers we got intel on earlier just began an assault of seven marines in the east. Large infantry force backed by at least two mage towers, possibly more. They just scrambled the QRF. As if to emphasize the point, a pair of cobras roared up from the landing zone. Turning east, they took off for high speed. Mount up, marines! Mayers shouted, walking down the line. Time to roll out! Sir, Bradford said, turning to him as he walked by. Should we wait? Fourth marine came under heavy attack. We might get redeployed. Negative, sergeant! He shook his head. Mordish just came down for us to move out, anyway. Second Marine and the Flyboys got him covered. Brass wants us moving out and setting up the next leap-off point, while the forces are distracted in the east. We roll out now! Aye, aye, sir, Bradford said, as the lieutenant marched away. She turned back to Dubois and Kowalski. You heard the LT. Get them loaded up. I'm gonna go find Davies. Aye, aye, sergeant! They chorused as she turned and jogged away. Did Mayer seem unusually happy to you? 
Dubois asked, turning to Kowalski as Bradford jogged away. Yeah, it's cause we ain't running to fight this time, he said, bringing up a bottle and spitting into it. He shook his head. Man's gonna get someone killed. Yeah, Dubois frowned. But don't let anyone else hear you say that. Come on, let's get them loaded up. Oh, I know, Kowalski said, spitting in the old wad of dip into the bottle before sealing it up. He turned to follow Dubois, pulling out the can and giving it a few good whacks into packets. Hey, make sure they load up so Jabs ain't gonna get into the chapel. Dubois sighed, shaking his head. Bro, you should stop that and get it all cleaned off. That crap's gonna get you in trouble. No, oh, Kowalski said, stuffing a fresh wad and dip into his lip. Swarm we're all building. He shoved the wad into the right spot in his tongue and spat the loose piece of tobacco. Gives everyone a chuckle. Dubois shook his head. He held off rolling his eyes. Load it up, Marines. We're moving out. Oh, feck, there he goes again, Kimber said, interrupting Alder's latest rendition of Billy Joel. What? Bradford looked forward, immediately regretting it, as she saw a bare ass hanging out of the ten-ton truck in front of them. Oh, goddammit, is that fecking thorn? Yep, Kimber said, tapping the brakes to open the gap as the stream of liquid brown sprayed out. That's definitely him. Brah, Stephen said, aborting his rotation of the turret and swinging the fifty cal back to the left. That man needs to get his guts checked, Kimber said. I don't think I've ever encountered him when he wasn't crapping himself. Bradford could hear the ear twitching in Rin's voice. Yeah, Dubois said. But he also eats MREs all fecking day and not having any problems from it. Elder chuckled. You think if we feed him enough, they'll plug him up? A wad of field paper flew out of the truck in front of them, snagging on the brush guard. Oh, you fecking piece of crap, Kimber shouted. He yanked the door open, half standing in the driver's seat to stick his head out, holding the wheel with one hand. You fecking clean that off, you fecking craphead! A middle finger greeted them from the back of the truck, and Kimber returned the salute before dropping back into his seat and slamming the door shut, grumbling under his breath. All right, just keep your eyes on the road, Kimber, Bradford said, and everyone else keep on alert. There might be elves in the area. We've only been on the road for fecking twenty minutes, Jabs, Kimber said. We've barely further from base than 3rd Battalion, and their new FOB. Yeah, and those mountains to the east are pretty rough terrain to get across, Alder said. He pointed to the Humvee's radio set. Chatter sounds like all the elves are over at the 7th Marines and getting their asses pounded. Don't get complacent, she said, looking over her shoulder at him. We're strung out in a narrow column on one of the few stretches of something that we might call a road in the area. She locked eyes with Alder, then Dubois. We're an ideal target for an ambush, so keep your eyes peeled. Nice, Sergeant. She had just settled back into her seat and started to sweep her gaze across the trees to her right when the Humvee radio stopped its scan and squelched. Patriot! 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 This is Growler 11. We're under heavy attack. I say again, Growler is under heavy attack by large cavalry force. Request immediate reinforcement over. Growler 11, this is Patriot. Report your status over. We're under heavy assault by a large cavalry force, regimental strength or greater, in imminent danger of being overwhelmed. Request immediate support. Over. Growler 11, stand by. This is Growler 11, immediate suppression. Grid 221432. Danger! Crap! The transmission cut off with a click that Bradford recognized as someone changing frequencies mid-transmission. Bradford's personal radio squawked as the truck in front of them braked, forcing Kimber to bring them to a skidding halt. All units, this is Firebreak Actual. FOB Ripley has come under heavy attack. We've been diverted to reinforce them. 
All units, turn off road and make best speed on heading 290 until you hit the next road. Then follow it west. We're all they've got right now. Move out! Michaels braced himself as the JLTV rocked over another dip of the ground. The radio squawked. The statico, roar and close gunfire could be heard in the background, and he recognized the voice of Colonel Mayhew. Patriot, this is Growler Actual. Where the hell is my air support? Over. Growler Actual, this is Patriot. Vipers are en route from Wells and Leguine. ETA, one five mics. Over. Patriot, we don't have... Transmission clicked off for a moment. Expedite, out. Pick up the pace, Sergeant, Michaels said, as they bounced over another hillock. Hi, sir, each driver said, and the vehicle bounced hard over the next bump. They timed this almost perfectly. Air support stretched them, and our local birds are all tied supporting 7th Marine, he frowned, glaring out to the overgrown field ahead of them. We've had so little resistance we got complacent. We've outpaced our air support and our ability to supply and maintain them this far in the field. Did they know? Or are we finally seeing the real pushback? Patriot, this is Growler 11. The western compound has been breached. We are taking heavy casualties. Cannot hold for much longer. Over. Past the sergeant, Michaels braced as the JLTV jolted. Sir, with this terrain I caught. To hell with the terrain, Sanders. Faster. Aye, sir. The radio squawked again. The background, gunfire, louder, but more sporadic. This is Growler 11. Final protective fire. Code you. Correction. Range at 37. Fire for effect. Over. Growler 11, this is Ranger 37. Confirm for fire for effect. Confirm. Fire for effect. Grid 221430. Our position is being overrun. Continuous fire until all rounds expended. Cannot observe. Over. This is Ranger 37. Fire for effect. Grid 221430. Continuous fire until all rounds expended. Out. This is 3rd Battalion, 5th Marine. Get some! Hoorah! Two loud gunshots boomed out of the speakers, and then the transmission cut out with a heavy thump that sounded like an explosion. The engines roared as Sergeant Sanders shoved the gas pedal to the floor. Bradford only barely kept her head from banging against the window as the Humvee bounced over another rut. A loud thunk and a muffled curse in the back told her that someone hadn't succeeded. At least, we're on the road now she thought as they felt gravity disappear for a moment while the truck roared over a rise, before slamming down again on the other side. Not sure we're getting much smoother ride. The radio squawked. All units, this is firebreak three. Have fixed bayonets. She glanced at Kimber, then shifted to pull out a bayonet. The Mark 19 on the Humvee in front of them spat out bursts of smoke and fire to the front. This is it, boys, she said, as the grenades detonated at the edge of the clearing. She spotted movement, and Stevens opened up with his 50 cal, joining multiple streams of tracers from vehicles ahead of them. Time to get some payback, and hope that we're not too late, she thought, even though she already knew the answer. A pair of vipers thundered low overhead, streaming smoke and fire as they strafed the owls with rockets, and Stephens went cyclic on the swarm of cavalry milling about in the open. The smoking remains of F.O.P. Ripley stood in the center of the field. Kimber slammed on the brakes, narrowly stopping them from ramming into the back of the Humvee in front of them as the Marines started piling out. Dismount! Bradford shouted, shoving her door open. Dismount! She hopped out, laid her rifle across the hood, and started taking shots into the massed enemy. They're fecking thousands of them! She thought as she lined up another shot, putting two rounds into an elf scrambling onto his queshi and dropping him. The animal bolted. 
Several spellbursts stitched across the elves from the other end of the Humvee. But they're not formed up, and the field is scattered and littered with uh, just as many bodies. More Humvees and new GLTVs drove past, shaking out into the growling line of vehicles. A few to the right, closer to the FOB, but most of the vehicles fell into the left, stretching along the edge of the tree line. A truck pulled off behind them, and a half the 1st Battalion piled out. Stefan's M2 stopped firing, and an empty ammo can came flying out of the turret, glancing off Ripley's helmet as he stacked up and Humvee behind Davies and Edison. Bradford nodded at a squad, then cursed as she looked back across the field. Two hundred meters away, a team of Queshi trotted out to the south entrance of the FOB, pulling a sled stacked with gear. Stephens! she shouted, flipping her M203 sight up. Two o'clock! The sled! She raised her weapon and thumped out a grenade, but overshot. The explosion startled the horse-like creatures, causing them to shy away and slowly their pace, but none of them dropped. She cursed, ejecting the spent round and grabbed another when the M2 opened up again. Stephens, hosing a long burst across the sled and Queshi, and they all dropped. An elf popped up far side of the cart, and at Stephens' second burst cut him down. Bradford slammed a fresh round home in her M203, as the GLTV rolled up and pulled a tight U-turn behind her. Colonel Michael stood in the open driver's door, standing half on his seat and half on the side runner. Lieutenant Mayor! The Humvee in front of her thumped out another burst from its MK-19 grenade launcher, and Bradford saw her platoon leader look up from the radio as he huddled over when Michaels called his name again. Lieutenant Mayor! Sir, take your platoon and push into that compound, Michaels shouted, jabbing a finger at the southern gate. The rest of the battalion will be right behind you. He didn't wait for Mayor Stutter. Aye, uh, 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 sir, before he ducked his head back inside of his vehicle. Bradford heard him shouting, Down the line! at his driver as he rolled by. Mayers glanced around, his eyes wide, until he spotted her. Bradford! Sergeant Bradford! Take your squad and push into that compound! He pointed at the FOB. The rest of the platoon will be right behind you, as soon as I find Staff Sergeant Rickles. He didn't wait for her response before he turned and jogged up the line to the right, in the opposite direction of Michael's. Aye, aye, sir, she shouted after him. Fecking crap! What the feck is he doing? She gritted teeth. Feck! She turned, sticking her head back into the Humvee. Gemba, your truck's on point. Get ready to move. Aye, sergeant, he said, settling back into the seat he was half out of and slamming his door. Ducking back out of the Humvee, she looked forward, spotting one of the fire team leaders of third squad. Johnson! She shouted, taking several quick steps over to get behind his vehicle. Johnson! He pulled back under cover. Sergeant, the platoon's moving up. Tell your driver that he's to fall behind the next two trucks when we move out. Move with your vehicles. Aye, aye, Sergeant. She turned and sprinted back down the line. Kowalski, we're moving up. Your truck's number two behind the lead vehicle. Aye, Sergeant. He pulled his door open and passed the word inside, then flashed her a thumbs up. Stay tight in your vehicle, she shouted after a burst from a Humvee's M2. Aye, aye, Sergeant. She turned and sprinted back to her own vehicle. Gimba, roll out. Walking speed. He gave her a nod and spun the wheel. The engine revved twice. Then he shifted into gear and started off. She stayed by the passenger door, got up and trained on the southern gate. The rest of her squad fell in behind the Humvees as they rolled out. Johnson's truck turned and cut into the number three slot as 2nd squad crossed its line of fire. To Bradford's surprise, the next Humvee in line fell in, then the LAV, and another Humvee, and another, 
until her entire right flank had shifted into a column that started advancing on the FOB. Did Maya actually give a coherent order, or are they just falling in to attack in the absence of them? A series of heavy thumps, followed by several columns of dust and debris, came up from the other side of the compound. Jet engines rumbled across the sky. The stuttering roar of a pair of vipers strafed another rocket attack, stitching a twin line of explosions ahead of them, and she saw a flight of minibirds chain gun run along the western edge of the field. A force of owls came riding around the eastern side of the compound to her right, but before she could call it out, the LAV and the two Humvees shattered the formation with heavy fire. Two more vipers swung around the far side of the FOB. She heard the delayed chatter of their chin guns almost simultaneously with the flurry of explosions that ripped apart the remaining elves. Five minutes after the order of Colonel Michaels, Bradford reached the gate of the FOB. Four elves dashed out on foot, she and Gomez each dropped one, and a long burst from Kowalski's saw took down the other two. Glancing behind her, she saw the rest of the column breaking out into a new defensive line. The rest of the battalion had shaken out and began to advance across the field, with no formation, no clear terrain to maneuver, and many dismounted when 2nd Battalion arrived. The elves were being cut down in droves. She spotted 3rd Squad's leader, Sergeant Snodgrass. Have your squad hold here and cover our asses. I'm taking my squad in. Bundle everyone else in after us. Got it, he said without question. He turned away and started issuing orders. Technically, he's senior to me, but, uh, feck it, authority of the moment. Second squad on me, she shouted, turning back to the southern gate. Miller on the corner. Ayat, shields up front. Retreat! Hell! Her squad shouted back. Move out! She surged forward. The second squad charged into the compound. Shields up, Rin charged around the corner with Bradford and Kowalski's fire team. Gunfire barked close to as more elves came into view. He snapped a short burst into a charging elf as he slid into cover behind a Humvee. Dubois' fire team joined them, and he spared a glance at the turret of the gun that was still creaking and thinking as the metal cooled. Is that barrel melted? Davy's team bounded past him, and Rin broke off shield them along a way. Kowalski's saw roared as another cluster of owls sprinted into view, dropping most of them. Two continued their charge. Wynn snapped a shard bolt into one of them as they dodged around his shield. The second one lunged at Riley, sword stabbing into his chest. The blade failed to penetrate the ceramic plate, but the blow and the momentum sent them both tumbling to the ground. The elf rolled clear, but was pinned to the ground by Samson's bayonet. The marine pulled his rifle back and stabbed him again and again. Get into cover, Samson, Davies shouted, crouched against the Hercule barrier. Rin rushed over to Riley, still holding his shield up for cover. He grabbed the convenient handle on the back of the man's armor and started pulling. Dash! They're all so fucking heavy. I'm good, I'm good, Riley shouted, pushing Rin off and rolling over to scramble into cover beside him. It's generally bad practice to get stabbed in your first fight, Rin said, patting him on the back as Samson slammed into cover with them. Dubois' fire team hot on his heels. The forward half of his rifle and his left forearm were covered in blood. You're good, New Riley, Edison asked, keeping his eyes focused down the sights of his saw. Yeah, just to cut my plate carrier. Try not to let them stick you next time, Ren said, patting him on the shoulder. He leapt up and joined Bradford and Kowalski's team as they bounded past, keeping his shields at the front of the advance. They dropped into a crater for cover. Jesus, what the hell did this? Centelli asked. 
The ground shook as a massive explosion threw up towering geyser of dust and debris near the north entrance, followed by the rapid chuckle of cannon fire beyond the walls. A fucking lot of C4, that's what, Kowalski said, before leaning up and spraying burst of rounds into another group of valves. Rin poked his head over the edge of the crater. Pieces of what looked like a Humvee were scattered in all directions. And bodies too. Human. Alvin. Queshi. To his left, the hacked remains of a marine lay atop his machine gun. A pile of Alvin bodies lay before the weapon. Davy's squad joined them. Then Rin was up again to join Dubois' squad as they bounded past. A Queshi bolted into the open and was gunned down before anyone could notice that it bore no rider. Two more leaps and they reached the inner compound. Human and Alvin bodies littered the yard. Ban out and pair off, Bradford said. One marine keeps eyes up, the other checks for survivors. I don't think there's anybody alive in here, Jabs, Kimber said, as the squad spread out and started checking bodies. Artillery craters pockmarked the whole area, and many of the bodies were ripped apart by explosions and shrapnel. These are craters from M777, Kowalski said. They called Artie on their own fucking position. Jesus, fucking Christ. They were being overrun, Dwar said. Feck, fucking hell. Too late, again. Rin's ears dropped as he followed Bradford through the bodies. His staff up and at the ready. Come on, post over there, Bradford said, nodding to the left. Nora, what's left of it? Rin followed her through the blown-out Hesky walls, ears swinging back up to an alert. This wasn't artillery, she said. It'd take a lot of C4 to do something like... She cut off as she ducked inside. Holy feck! The command post had been obliterated. Bits of plastic and metal were scattered about, most of them too small to recognize what they came from. Mangled metal frames were all that remained of tables, if even that much. Bradford carefully made her way to the door at the far end of the bunker. She stopped over what was left of the elven body and picked up a shattered remnant of a laptop. She held it up for him to see, pointing out to the bullet hole in the half that remained. Dropping the laptops, she turned towards the original entrance but paused. You hear that? Ren quirked his head, his ears twitching. I'll probably be deaf by the time I reach middle age from all of this, but I can't still hear now. He still heard the rumble of aircraft overhead, but no more explosions. All that remained was a distant, sporadic gunfire. The fighting's mostly stopped, yeah, she said, turning back to the door and hopping over more Alban bodies on her way out. Ren followed. Outside, they found more marines pouring in, mostly first platoon, but several marines he didn't immediately recognize were also funneling in, along with Colonel Michaels. The battalion commander made his way in their direction. What do you have to report, Sergeant? Their command post was destroyed, sir. It was C4, and a lot of it. There's barely anything recognizable left in there, but what remains of laptops are left here have bullets holes in them. They have been able to enact at least some of their emergency destruction procedures. Thank you, Sergeant Bradford, he said. The elves are on the run, and we're secured FOB. Keep searching for survivors. Aye, aye, sir, Bradford said. Wren braced at attention alongside her, then followed his quick march back to the rest of Second Squad. They walked past a Humvee with dead Marine dangling from the side, his foot still snagged in the turret mounting. She stopped, looked at the body, then glanced around. Kowalski! Gomez! Come help me with the sky down. The two walked over. Aye, Sergeant, Kowalski said looking the dead marine up and down. Gomez hopped up top. We'll hold him while you unhook him. Aye, he said, as they all slung their weapons and set to work. Is he alive? Gomez asked as they eased the marine to the ground. No, Bradford said. 
I just didn't think it was good just to leave him hanging there. Who is he? Gomez asked again as Kowalski knelt down and rolled the dead marine over. Rin saw his face go pale. Bastard, he whispered. You fucking bastard! He slammed his fist into the dead marine. You were getting out! You were fucking getting out! Bradford set a hand on his shoulder, but the lanky marine jumped up and shoved her hard away before storming off. She staggered back, but Miller caught her before she fell over. What the feck was that? Mayer shouted, walking up. Kowalski! Corporal Kowalski! The lieutenant turned to chase after him, but Bradford stepped in his way. Let it go, sir. It's fine. It's not fine, Mayer frowned, trying to step around her. He just assaulted his sergeant in a combat zone. Sir, Bradford said, stepping in his way again. He didn't touch me, sir. I tripped. Sergeant! I tripped, sir. Mayer stared down. Very well, sergeant, he said, and turned around and stormed off himself. Bradford watched him go, then turned to chase after Kowalski, waving at Rin to stay. He watched her go, ears waggling with concern. Bro, what the feck was that all about? Gomez asked. Rin shook his head, his ears twitching as he continued to stare after them. I don't know. Dubois walked over, went with a concerned look on his face. What was that about? He stopped, staring down at the dead marine. Ah, feck! What? Gomez said. Is someone going to tell us what the feck is going on? It's Jensen. Who the feck is Jensen? Dubois nodded down at the dead marine. He used to be in the 2-5 in 2nd Squad, actually. Deployed with us in Afghanistan. He shook his head. I didn't really know him. He transferred right after Bradford and I reported. He was with Kowalski when he got his bronze star. Dubois looked up. When half the squad got wiped out. He looked back down at Jensen. He saw two of his buddies take an RBG. They saved him from most of the shrapnel. But he took enough to get him sent back home for a while. And he asked to be transferred to a different unit. He shook his head. Didn't want to come back to his buddy's gone. Dubois frowned. His contract was supposed to be up five or six months ago. He was planning on getting out, he sighed. Guess he changed his mind. Oh, Gomez said. Well, feck. Well, feck indeed, Rin thought, his ears sweeping back. He glanced around at the blasted compound. Well, feck indeed. Bradford caught up to Kowalski, leaning against the Heshu wall in the corner of the bombed-out FOB that was relatively clear of bodies. Kowalski, she said, approaching him. Matt. He turned around, then leaned against the wall and slid to the ground. He was getting out jabs, he said, looking at his hands with a thousand-yard stare. He was getting out. I know. He must have changed his mind. I should have made sure he got out. He clenched his fists and grit his teeth. I should have made sure ye weren't here. No, she said, leaning down and putting a hand on his shoulder. He chose to stay in. It was his choice. He can't make that for him. She put her hand on his. It's not your fault. He was the last one, Japs. Him and Gucci. Riley, old Riley, not new Riley. Got his leg too fecked up to stay in. Donaldson and Daffodil both got out when they got back from Afghanistan. It was me and Gucci and Jensen. He looked up at her. I told them that we would get out of here, Jabs. I promised them that they'd all get to go home. I promised each of them. That's why you re-upped last year, she said, shifting her head to meet his eyes, to make sure they all got home. <sighs> you got me all figured out now, don't you, Sergeant? Kinda already did, Corporal, she said, giving him a soft smile, then took a deep breath. But we've got a whole new squad out there, counting on us. Can you help me make sure they get home? 
He took a deep, shuddering breath and blew it out. Yeah, he nodded. Yeah, I can do that. Good, she said, standing up, because we've got work to do. She held out her hand to help him up, and he took it. It's going to be rough, but it needs to get done. Yeah, he said, clearing his throat with a cough. <coughs> yeah, dumb boots won't know what to do without us. Might start actually looking for work and following regulations and crap if I don't guy him right. She chuckled, nodding at her head. Exactly. Uh, um, about back there at... He grimaced, looking away for a moment. I'm sorry for shoving. She cut him off with a wave of her hand. I tripped. He looked at her for a moment, then snorsel off. <laughs> Looking at my ass again, Jabs. Am I going to have to fight shields for your romantic affections? Bradford sighed, stifling a smirk. Go feck yourself, Kowalski. You know, any other day we could rekindle our romance, but today my heart belongs to Samson alone, because Thursday is for the boys. Go get your ass back to the squad and make sure they're keeping their heads on a swivel. You feckhead. I'm going to go find Staff Sergeant and see what next move is. Aye, Sergeant. Kowalski started walking in the squad's direction, then stopped and turned back. Oh, uh, and jabs. Thanks. Just doing my job, Kowalski. She snapped to a half-assed attention, flopping his arms up in a sergeant's doofy salute. Aye, Sergeant. He shouted, talking with a fake overbite. He waggled his hand down at the end of his salute, then spun around and marched back to the rest of the squad with comically exaggerated steps. Bradford watched him go, shaking her head with a sigh. He's going to need a lot of help when this is all done. We all are. She looked about half-built FOB littered with dead elves and marines. If we survive. Hey, Shields, can you help me with this one over here? Yes, of course, Rin said, walking over to Edison, and the body was crouched next to. This one is recognizably human. He helped him roll the body over and grimaced. Another one hit by close artillery. Crap, man. Edison looked away. I was hoping this wouldn't be another closed casket. Closed casket? Rin latched onto the distraction, quirking an ear at him. Funeral. Closed casket funeral. Edison sighed, waving her hand down at the fallen marine. When we have a funeral, the casket's normally open because, uh, well, I don't really know why. But if the face is all fecked up like this, well, nobody wants to see it. So the funeral is held with the casket closed. Ah, I see. He rolled his ears. For us, the body is cleaned and dressed, and either sewn into a burial cloth or sealed in a coffin. Smaller villages and towns bury their dead, but in cities and some larger towns, the dead are burned in a pyre. He flicked an ear. Unless you're a noble, or do something to gain a boon of remembrance, then you're placed in a mausoleum. Huh. Guess that makes sense. Cremation's pretty common for us, too. It's a personal decision, though. Ren nodded, then waved a hand at the body. Shall we put him with his friends? Yeah. Edison said, swallowing. He took a breath to steal himself. I'll get the shoulders, you get the feet. Nodding again, Ren stepped into position. He crouched down and hooked his hands under the fallen marine's knees, determinedly ignoring the lower leg that was only partially attached. His ears flicked. Hey, stop! He's got a broken sword in his armpit. Oh, crap! Edison said, pulling a hand back from the blade. Thanks, he frowned. I guess that's what killed him. Yeah, it's a wonder he's still intact as he is. There are pieces of Alf all over the spot. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw three left feet. Edison shook his head, shifting his grip on the shoulder straps of the dead man's armor. Ready? One, two, three. They both heaved, and with a staggering gait, they half-dragged, half-carried the body to a line of other fallen marines, staged to be loaded on a truck. They nearly fell over as they set him down, but took the time to straighten him out and arrange him as peacefully as they could. <laughs> 
Back, man, Edison said, rubbing his face on clean patch of sleeve as he leaned against a pile of sandbags to catch his breath. He looked at Ren. Does it ever get any easier? No, Ren said, shaking his head and stared off into the distance. It doesn't. He flicked his ears and took a breath, straightening himself. But it does get easier to pretend it does. Huh. Yeah, I guess. Edison pulled his canteen out and took a drink, then offered it to Run. He shook his head, patting his now mostly full bottle. Edison nodded, screwed the cap back on and stowed it before standing up. Let's go help Samson and New Riley over there. They look like they could use a hand. Rin turned, spotting two staring listlessly at another cluster of bodies. Yes, they do. You two all right, Edison said as they approached. No, man. I'm not, Samson said, shaking his head. This is... Fecking hell, man. We're burying the whole fecking lot of them. Third battalion's fecking gone. There's so many bodies, Riley said, staring past them. And pieces of bodies. Damn, they're not doing good, Ren thought. We never handled this well. What would Jabs do? His ears waggled in a circle. I know. Hey, why don't you two take a break? Edison and I can take over here. Go fill your canteens and see if you can scrounge up some MREs for the squad. Oh yeah, Samson said. Yeah, come on, you Riley, let's go. The young private nodded and followed Samson away in silence. Edison watched them go and turned back to Run. That was good, man. I needed that. Except now it's just us to deal with this. He waved at the cluster of dead. Yes, but they needed the break. And besides, he unslung his staff and popped a small shield onto existence just above the ground, wide enough for a few bodies to fit. This won't be that bad. Drag them on. Well... Why the feck didn't you do that with the last guy? Because there was one body and we were only going to move 20 feet. Yeah, yeah, Edison waved a hand at him. Here, move that over here. I can roll this guy on. Hey, hold on. I haven't taken a picture of those guys yet. Edison straightened up and slowly turned to look at Davies as he walked over. Camera and ham. What the feck are you taking pictures for? General's orders, Davies said as Rin dropped the shields and turned to listen. Everyone in 3rd Battalion is getting a bronze star with valor, along with a purple heart. But General Zora wants evidence documented of any higher award-worthy crap that we can identify, like the guy who called Artie on their position and held off half a dozen gem blades before blowing the command post to hell. They're putting him up for a fecking medal of honor. Rin's ears swept back. Why does it sound bad the way he says it? Yeah, but why do you have to have a camera? Edison asked. The battalion's got its own photographers. Sure, but there ain't enough of them, Davies said, waving his hands at the whole FOB. So they started grabbing volunteers, and I happened to be nearby. Right, Edison said, running his eyes. Of course he was, Rin thought. Edison sighed, all right, what are you taking pictures of? Anything that looks like an epic final stand, or tragic heroism, or some crap, he shrugged. Or anything I can make look like it. He nodded at the cluster of dead marines next to them. Like these guys. Which one of these looks like a good hero? Hey. You think you could stick the knife into that guy's hand? Why? Ren asked, putting his head back. Draper, over the Bravo company, found a dude that killed three owls with his bayonet and his bare hands. His arms were still locked around the neck of the one last one he killed when they found him. I haven't found any hand-to-hand kills myself yet, though figured it'd be cool to if we did. Dude, no, Edison said, giving Davies a disgusted look. That's fucked up. Yeah, bro. I'm just fecking with you, Davies said, holding his camera up to take a step back. Seriously, though, what do you think their story is? Doesn't look any good. Dude, just... Uh... 
Just take your fecking pictures and get the feck out of your way. We actually have actual work to do. All right, all right. I'll get out of your hair, Davy said, waving Edison down. He turned around and snapped several pictures, then stepped aside. Rin glanced at Edison, giving him a flick of his ear, and they both got back to work. Here, I'll get some pictures of you guys while you work, Davy said, turning the camera on them. Might get you a special award or something. Whatever, man, Edison said, rolling his eyes as he grabbed another body by the shoulder straps. With a grunt, he dragged it backwards onto Rin's shield. Rin swung his ear back, but kept his mouth shut. If I have nothing appropriate to say, keep it off your tongue. Several minutes later, they had all the bodies loaded onto Rin's shield. Increasing the mana flow, he raised the shield a few inches off the ground and carefully guided it to the row of dead. The truck returned just as he was placing them in line. He carefully lowered the shield down to the ground, then dropped it. The body settled on the ground with a faint thud. Hey, you guys take a break, Snodgrass said, walking up to the back of the truck. My guys got this for now. Aye, aye, Sergeant, Edison said, stepping away from the bodies. Hey, I'm going to find somewhere to leak. Nodding, Rin slung his staff over his shoulder before pulling his canteen out and sitting down on a pile of sandbags. He took a long drink, then placed the cap back on with a sigh, his ears drooping. No, it doesn't get any easier. Hey, man, you all right? Rin looked up to see Davies walking towards him, camera hanging from his neck. This got to be pretty be hard for you. He flicked an ear. This is not the first disaster I've been picked through. I know, just saying. This whole situation is like when you rushed back to Layla, but didn't get there in time. Rin frowned, his ears twitching back. I never talked to him about that. Jabs told me about it, about what happened, and what they broke down pretty hard over it. She said it wasn't pretty. His ears swept back. She told him about it. I didn't want her to see me like that. It was utterly inappropriate, only a moment of weakness. He felt his heart suddenly hammer in his chest. Why? She told him. I'm just saying, I know this can be pretty rough, and you've had it worse than any of us. If you need someone to talk to, I'm here for you, buddy. Ren's ears twitched, and he gave Davies an uncomfortable glance. I'll uh, keep that in mind. His ears twitched again, and he stood up. Excuse me, he said, stepping around Davies and walking away his mind in turmoil. How could she tell anyone? How could she tell him? End of chapter. I just quickly want to thank the Tier 5 patrons and channel members. Alithia Barkey, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Albard and Gaster, Arcadian, Lord Azrakal, and Joe Kumbaka.